0: Good morning, Springbrook. Welcome in to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here, and it is our privilege to enter into this holy week with you today. We're celebrating Palm Sunday, and the next several days we'll be celebrating and honoring all that Christ did in the days leading up to his death and his resurrection, which we will celebrate together next Sunday. I encourage you to come out and bring those you love along with you. If you're joining us online at nine o'clock, we have online hosts available for you all throughout the service. They'll answer your questions, they'll pray with you. They're there for you to engage with you as you feel led. So I encourage you, participate in that chat. Let us know you're here. We'd love to know who is worshiping with us, where you are today, what the Lord is doing in your life. It's our heart for you to be connected to what God is doing in this community, no matter where you are or what you are going through. We'd love to invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit, for our call to worship. And this comes from one of the Palm Sunday passages in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke 19. And it says, And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King, who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Another passage that talks about this exact same scene talks about the crowds using the words, Hosanna, which means, Lord, come, save. The Jewish people at the time were oppressed. They had been through years and years of difficulty and struggle, and their hearts were broken, and they were crying out, Lord, come save. Blessed is the king, the king who's come to save us. And so this first song we're going to sing, one of the lyrics that we say is, broken hearts declare his praise. Broken hearts. Maybe like me, after the week that we've had in our country, you're coming in this morning with a broken heart. It is okay to come in with a broken heart and to declare his praise. Declare his praise over yourself, over your family, over our nation. Cry out, come save, because our Lord is a Lion of Judah. He is the King above all kings. Amen? Let's give him our worship and our praise this morning.
1: to the Lord.
2: This morning we have an opportunity to come together to celebrate um, communion together. Uh, This Friday, for Good Friday, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate uh, communion as well as we focus on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that that means for us. So we have a live drama. We're going to celebrate a live communion service. And so I want to encourage you to come to Good Friday. But I wanted to focus on something different today. You know, every Sunday, the first Sunday of every month, we always celebrate communion together as the body of Christ Christ. Good Friday is going to be special. And so we want to encourage you to come out for that, but I wanted to focus on a different aspect of communion. And sometimes we talk about it, sometimes it's just a comment. Typically we focus on the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Today I wanted to focus you on a different aspect of this. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us an example of what communion is. He talks about remembering and he talks about Jesus' sacrifice. After he talks about the communion supper and what it means for us, he says this beginning in verse 27. After he explains communion, he says, "'Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, he will be guilty concerning the body and blood of our Lord. Let a person examine himself then so as to eat the bread and drink the cup. For whoever one who eats without examining or discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself.'" And so there's a difference between approaching communion with an understanding and remembering what Christ has done for us. It's another thing altogether to examine ourselves as we think about what it means to come before the Lord during communion. Paul uses the word unworthy in that first part of that verse, whoever eats us bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner. He's not using that from the perspective of as an adjective that describes us. In a sense that we must be worthy before we come to communion. Because in one sense, none of us is worthy to come before communion, right? None of us is perfect, not one. And so we all live with this sense of unworthiness. And so that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about the adjective of your unworthiness. He's talking about it as an adverb. He's describing the way that we eat when we come together. And so there's something about the way we eat communion that is really important that Paul wants to flesh out for us. When we come together for communion, we should approach the table with humility, with gratitude, and with a steadfast faith as a result of who we are in Christ. We should never approach the communion table with a sense of sense worth, or self-accomplishment. We should always approach the table with a sense of gratitude and humility. And so as we come together this morning to partake of communion, we're doing so with gratitude for what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. But it's also an opportunity for us to examine ourselves and to think about why we do what we do in the way that we do it. You know, Jesus, when he was with the disciples at that last supper, lifted up that loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is reflective of my body, which is gonna be broken for you. Whenever you eat it, eat it in remembrance of me. And then he lifted the cup up and he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that's going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so we come together today to partake of communion today, remembering what Christ accomplished for us. But let us also examine ourselves as we think about the way that we approach communion. Father, we just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. We thank you for this week that we can celebrate um, your entry into Jerusalem, what that means for us as a body of Christ, and also what it means for us individually. And so as we come together uh, to take communion this morning, God, I pray that you would help us to be able to examine our hearts. God, that you would draw us close to yourself and that we would fully appreciate um, what we get to celebrate as we come together to celebrate communion. God, we lift this time up to you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. And so during this next song, if you just want to make your way to the front, you can pick up the elements and take them back to your seat. And uh, partake of communion as you feel comfortable, as you feel led. And then after you're done, after the service today, just drop your cups uh, in the the trash can in the back. But uh, let's take these next few moments to reflect and to uh, ponder uh, the good news about Christ and, and what we have in communion.
0: Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus, that you are good. Oh, we need you. We need your goodness. We need your goodness to wash over us. We need your goodness to drench us, to soak us, to, to start seeping into the world around us. Jesus, we need your goodness. We need you. We thank you for your body broken and your blood out the ultimate answer to the ultimate problem of our sin the answer to the evil we are seeing in the world around us has already been given at the cross you paid the price gosh we crucified the perfect king in our place to cover, to redeem, to restore, to revive every dead and broken thing. And you did it, and you rose again victorious, and you ascended, and you are seated in heaven, Jesus, on the throne. So give us hope. Remind us where you are right now. Remind us who you are. Remind us who is in charge. God, there are broken hearts in this room. There are hearts who have nothing left to say except Hosanna, come and save, come and save, come and save, Lord Jesus. Intervene. For those who have suffered loss in their own life this week, we pray for comfort, Holy Spirit. For those who barely made it today because of anxiety or depression, chronic pain or illness, Jesus, intervene. Holy Spirit, bring comfort. Thank you for bringing them here today. For those who are watching at home because they couldn't get here today, Holy Spirit, thank you. Bless them. Bless them, Jesus. We ask you for so much, and we're asking again for you to open our eyes. We are blind on our own. Open our eyes to see you. Open our ears. We want to hear your voice. We need to hear you. We need to hear your word and your truth spoken over all that we are facing in the world open our hearts God when all we want to do is harden ourselves against those we think are the enemy when all we want to do is harden ourselves against hope because brokenness keeps happening God will you soften us soften our hearts we want you we want to receive you we can't do it on our own in our own strength so we thank you again for Jesus made a way bring us to yourself today we pray show us who you are remind us who we are in you we offer all of this to you in the matchless name of christ jesus our risen and ascended king who is reigning over all for you and your glory we pray amen amen you may be seated
2: Well, good morning, welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are with us today. So I was sitting on the couch, I think it was Friday night, and my phone went off with this massive alarm. Did anybody else get one of those? It was a warning from the weather service, warning about torrential rains and severe thunderstorms and 90-mile-an-hour winds. And so my first thought was, having grown up in Oklahoma for a while, tornado. I've been through a lot of tornadoes, so I was accustomed to that. But you know what my second thought was after I heard about the 90-mile winds? everything's thawed out, and the air is going to be all stirred up. <laughs> so I, I went through yesterday, and I was doing fine, and then, man, my allergies kicked in. And so I have been struggling with my allergies, and I thought, so I woke up this morning, and I did my nib, I was doing all my stuff, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to give into it. So I don't have a, a cool accent or anything. All I got is this kind of like this chest congestion thing. <laughs> so, so I'm going to talk a little slower this morning. So that'll be good for, for some, because they think I talk too fast, so it definitely was going to slow me down. So the service might last a little bit longer this morning, which is which is probably which is probably okay. Um, but I took a minute just to explain that to you, so I wish I had that minute back. <laughs> but you've got a connection card that's on your chair, and I want to encourage you uh, to take a moment to fill that out if you're a regular attender, Just put your first and last name on there. Just your, any, any information that's changed for you, just to let us know you're here. That'd be great. If you're a first or second time guest with us this morning, you can fill out as much information as you feel comfortable sharing with us and there's a box that you can drop it in on the way back. If you're watching with us online, just click that online connection card or say hi in the chat. We'd love to know that you were with us uh, this morning. Want to let you know that we're kicking off, uh, uh, we've kicked off Replanted uh, this past year. Ben and Sarah Belton have been leading uh, that ministry. Replanted is uh, a support system for adoptive and family uh, men, uh, families. And so uh, they have a, uh, a community gathering coming up on April 16th, and so they're going to be celebrating. God's faithfulness this, uh, this past year, and they're going to be sharing some vision for some things next year. And if there's anybody that has any questions about that, or they're interested in learning a little bit more, maybe they want to come alongside and, and support that ministry. I know that uh, Pastor Matt's been an integral part of that ministry, and so as we move through our transitions, you know, we're looking to raise up some teams uh, to continue to support that ministry. And so if you want to know more information about Replanted, um, you can go to the website. You can scan that QR code But plan on joining them for their community gathering on the 16th. It's actually going to be at the Light of Christ Church in Algonquin. We have a partnership with them. So if you have any questions, uh, just let them know. And then I also wanted to take a moment to thank Linda Zert for doing our chalkboard up in the cafe so I know she got that done this past week. I'm really going to miss the fruits of the spirit. Um, but as we move towards Easter, we have our cafe 10th anniversary celebration coming up. And so I just want to take a moment to thank our team for all the work that they do back in uh, our cafe. And then uh, the cutting team met um, this past week. They had breakfast together. They're, they've got our new lawnmower getting all set up. And John Manzella and his team are back there uh, taking care of all of our equipment. I don't think that's the whole team. But I am so grateful for our cutting team. They do such a great job taking care of our uh, property. And so we just want to thank thank them. Yeah, so yeah, right? (laughs) You can be praying for uh, Skipper Morse. Skipper Morse oversees our landscaping team, and she lost her husband, Jim, uh, last month, and then she uh, last Sunday lost her son, and then on Monday lost her son-in-law. And so uh, be praying for uh, Skipper and her family as they, uh, that she would just have a sense of god 's uh, love and presence, and so 'll be praying for their uh, family as well. And we appreciate her leadership and then uh, we're, Roland uh, Dorich put some new lights on there. i don 't know if you' ever driven by this place at night. Um, he put some new lights up there. The cross looks great. The front of this building looks fantastic, and so we we'll to thank Roland for uh, Uh, just for his uh, work on our facility. thank our facilities team that diligently works uh, to keep uh, the maintenance up on our building. And then if you're looking for a place to serve, we have many ministry opportunities. I am so proud of people at Springbrook and just the way they they serve, they use their time to build up and to strengthen uh, this body of Christ. And so if you've got any any areas that you're interested in serving in, I know we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. You can visit, visit our website or find that on our app as well. In fact, if you're looking for an opportunity to serve, I want to invite Michelle Ha to come out. Michelle is uh, oversees um, our children's ministry, along with uh, Rebecca Suarez, and so uh, we have VBS coming up, and I know uh, we've got some exciting things uh, for that, and I know you're looking for some people to serve in VBS. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there. We are so excited to be able to invite our community to VBS this summer. It's going to be from incoming kindergarten to incoming sixth graders, and I'm up here today to ask you to please, please consider volunteering because the more volunteers that we have sign up to help us, that means the more children that we can invite. And I'm just so excited, and I I know God will provide for our volunteer needs and Mm -hmm. to be able to invite as many children as we can. So please, if you're interested at all and have questions, I'd love to talk with you. And we have the registration link already set up on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for just your leadership as well. I look at the schedules that you manage, and it it is overwhelming. And I thank you for all of those that serve in our children's ministry. I know it's a simple math equation, right? One leader, eight kids, two leaders, 16 kids, three, (laughs) 24. So so it's pretty simple math. But um, I know that we're also this year, we're going to invite people that are new to Springbrook to register first, and then we're going to kind of work registrations out. And so we want to make sure that VBS continues to be a ministry that helps us to engage with our community and our new families in Springbrook. Yep. And so thank you for your leadership, yep. Michelle, and you, you, Rebecca. Well, if you've got any questions, please, you know, you can visit our website or you can stop by the uh, children's ministry table uh, out in the uh, lobby after the service this morning. Today is uh, Palm Sunday. And do you know why they call it Palm Sunday? Kind of a trick question. Because of the palms. Yeah. And so, you know, this is Palm Sunday because of the palms. Aren't you so glad? That when they were coming together to greet Jesus, they weren't trying to build a road with cobblestones and bringing rocks. Because then you know what we would be doing? We'd be walking up and everybody would be throwing rocks out at everybody like that, you know? It's like it'd be rock Sunday. <laughs> Aren't you glad that they brought palms instead of rocks? I seriously, you know, last week we talked about, uh, you know, experiencing Easter. And we talked about experiencing Easter requires us to follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you really can't experience an Easter. I thought for a moment, you know, when you looked at, you know, we had the kids come out. All the kids came out. and We watched the kids. Typically, it's a kid's thing, right? You know, when those people were coming <laughs> into Jerusalem, that was full-on adults, man. That, that wasn't, they weren't sending their kids. Those were the adults that had come that were excited about who Jesus was, and to see him. So I thought for a second, wouldn't it be fun if I could get some adults to stand up and, and show some palms? Well, I thought I'd spare everybody and spare myself. <laughs> Palm Sunday is a day that we come to celebrate and to think about. It's a celebration of Jesus, but it's also a time for us to step back and ask ourselves, who is Jesus? Palm Sunday answers the question, who is Jesus? If you uh, brought your Bible, we're in uh, Mark chapter 11 this morning, so I want to encourage you to take that out. If you're online, you can click that online Bible app or just listen as I uh, read beginning in uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, When they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you find a colt, a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. And tie it and bring it. If anyone says to you why you're doing this, say the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And so they went away and they found a colt tied at the door outside the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they said to them just what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that Had They had cut from the fields, and and those who went before those and those who followed were all shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple, and when he looked around at everything, he was already late. So he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so, you know, the kids that came out and celebrated Palm Sunday this morning, well, this was that's part of the celebration. But this was full-on adults that had heard about who Jesus was and wanted to come out and see for themselves. And so if you picture the scene, Mark says in verses 9 through 11, those who went before him and those who followed were all shouting, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You know, this uh, passage that Mark um, quotes here, this is in all four of the gospel books. It's all four of the gospel messages have uh, this triumphal entry story in it. So if you've got your Bible at the beginning of chapter 11, it probably says the triumphal entry. You know, this is one of the few stories that occurs in all four of the gospel books. You know, the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels because they contain many of the same stories and many of the same sayings. They're often in the same sequence with minor differences from the perspective of the writer. The book of John is a gospel because it also tells us about who Jesus is, but it covers a different time span than the first three books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John records uh, different accounts of Jesus' ministry, and and he gives us more information about some specific theological matters. But Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and it's recorded in all four books. You know, in Matthew, it says the crowds that went before him followed, were shouting, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when you look in Luke, as Jesus was drawing near, already on on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of of his disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven in glory in the highest. And then John records it this way. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now, the crowds were probably crying out all of those different sayings, but the one that's unique to Mark is the one I want to look at this morning. In 9, and 10, in 9 and 10, it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. You know, it's in Mark that we see the kingdom of God being ushered in and recognized by those that had gathered together. You know, the book of Mark gives us a unique perspective on the triumphal entry. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression that you can learn both from things that go well and learn from things that go bad, right? We all want to learn from things that go well. We don't want to be the bad example. You can learn from both. When Mark writes, he's writing from the perspective of learning from failure, and oh boy, do the Israelites fail in understanding the kingdom. And so Mark is talking about the failure of their, of brings to the surface the idea that they don't have any idea what the kingdom of heaven is really like, what the kingdom of the Father is really like. You know, the Jews, God's chosen people, you know, believed that a military Messiah was gonna come and rescue them. They would give them back their land. And they still believe that today. They're still waiting for the for the physical military leadership that's gonna give them back their land. It's all about the land. They had escaped slavery from the Egyptians. Because of continued disobedience, they found themselves conquered by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the, Mes- the, the Macedonians, the Persians. And, and so they're constantly being conquered and taken over. During the, uh, this long history, Jerusalem is said to have been attacked 52 times, recaptured 44 times, besieged 23 times, and destroyed twice. Their people are tired For 400 years, between the Old and New Testament, Israel was under the rule of the Greeks, and then they came under the control of the Roman Empire. In fact, as you read through the New Testament, every single place and every single event that is recorded in the New Testament is under the rule of the Roman Empire. The Jews were waiting for a military king that was going to come rescue them and save them from years of captivity and rule. And they were excited because they thought Jesus was it. They were waiting for Jesus to come as a military king to kick the Romans out and finally establish their kingdom now so that they would no longer have to put up with what they've been putting up with. They were waiting for his kingdom to be restored. But as we know today, that's not what happens, is it? You know, Palm Sunday is a reflection of understanding, you know, who is Jesus You know, as we look at Palm Sunday, as we look at that passage we just read, we see that Jesus prepares to enter into Jerusalem. Jesus rides towards Jerusalem. The people are spreading their garments and their branches out, and people come out from Jerusalem to meet him. It is a huge moment, and Jesus is getting the red carpet treatment. Prophecy is being fulfilled, and they are excited about their coming king. You know, people begin to pour out of the city to come and to meet him, and to welcome the Messiah. In John 12, 12, it says that this large crowd that had come to the feast, I mean, there's millions of people that had come for this feast, they began to pour out because they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches and palm frames and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so this was not a few people with some palms that were coming out. This is a lot of people, huge crowds coming out to celebrate the coming king. So the people come out from Jerusalem to meet him. And then the, 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 the jealous Pharisees asked Jesus to stop the crowds. You see, the crowds were so large, and the excitement has reached a climax that is so high that the Pharisees are now jealous. And they appealed to Jesus to stop the crowd. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, would you please rebuke your disciples? To which he replies, I tell you, if they were silent, even the very stones would cry out. So these are large crowds of people that have come out to visit a conquering king. And when Jesus looks out among Jerusalem, he begins to, to weep. Jesus starts weeping when he sees Jerusalem because knowing that these shouts of praise will soon turn to shouts of crucify him. In Luke 19, when he drew near and he saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. If you had any idea who I am or what it's going to take to bring you peace before a holy God, you have no idea what that means. It's hidden from you at this point. And so the Pharisees are asking Jesus to stop. He goes into Jerusalem anyway, and he begins to weep, and then then he goes into Jerusalem even though it's the end of the day. As Jesus enters into Jerusalem, it's all stirred up. It's it's too late to do anything, but he goes into the city anyway to fulfill yet another one of over 2 to 300 prophecies. And this one was from Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so this is Palm Sunday. I need to put the Jesus weeping in there. I lost that one somehow. And so when you think about what Palm Sunday is, this is what Palm Sunday is it's Jesus preparing to enter the city, it's the riding on the colt, it's the fulfillment of prophecy. People are spraying their garments and their branches, and, and they're coming out from Jerusalem to meet him. This is what Palm Sunday is all about. You know, this is Palm Sunday when we're confronted with the question, Who is this? When he entered into Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this guy? Palm Sunday is about answering the question, who is Jesus? As we move towards Good Friday, we're going to talk about why he had to die. And as we get to Easter Sunday and reflect on the resurrection, we're going to talk about the hope of what it means for us. But Palm Sunday is the day that we set aside to stop and ask ourselves, who is Jesus to us? Bill Thayer works with the University of Chicago, He has one of the oldest and largest repositories of classical Greek and Latin texts, both in the original and the translated languages. On his website are the words of a secular Jewish historian, uh, Flavius uh, Josephus, who wrote from 72 to 75 AD. And uh, Josephus records the view of the temple in Jerusalem. As a secular writer, he tells us what the temple looks like. He says this, the outward face of the temple. And its front wanted nothing that was likely to surprise either men's minds or their eyes, for it was covered all over with plates of gold with great weight. And at the first rising of the sun reflected back a fiery splendor and made those who forced themselves to look upon it to turn their eyes away just as they would have done at the sun's own rays. But this temple appeared to strangers even when they were at the distance, like a mountain that was covered with snow whereas those parts of that were not guilt. They were exceedingly white. And so we have this beautiful image of what the temple looks like. And all the regular folks that are following Jesus, the blind that can now see him, the lame that can now walk, all the poor people that are following Jesus and excited about him ushering in this new kingdom are thinking, yeah, give me some of that. I've been looking at this from afar. I am looking forward to this coming kingdom. And so we have people that are following Jesus looking forward to what was coming. Everyone in Jerusalem was coming out to meet him. thinking, come on, Jesus, establish your kingdom without the Romans. Could you please get the Romans out of here so that we can fully enjoy the blessings of what you have to provide for us? They are looking for a military king that's going to come out and kick out the Romans, meet all their material needs, and establish his kingdom on earth right here, right now. That's not what they got. That's not what they got. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus went into Jerusalem, he entered the temple court, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the table of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And so all the people that were in Jerusalem and all the people that were around uh, the temple were experiencing something different than they were expecting. You're not supposed to be doing this to us. Get them out of here. And so Jesus walks in and his people begins to confront their behavior, their attitudes, their hearts, and the fact that they know nothing about the Savior that has come. He entered the temple and he kicked everybody out. And then, as you move through Mark, as you move through Mark, just story after story shows Jesus in a confrontational way addressing the behavior and the attitudes of his people. I know you're waiting for a conquering military king, but that's not who I am in Mark 13. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, what wonderful stones! What a beautiful building this is. And Jesus says to them, do you see these great buildings? There will not be one left here, not one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. It's all going to be destroyed. That is not what they were expecting to hear. I mean, all the splendor, all the blessing that comes from this and the idea that God's kingdom was gonna be restored was what was on their mind. And that's not what they get. Now, if you were an Israelite, you know, what would you be thinking right now? You know, if you think about all the stuff, all the ways that God blessed you, and somebody comes to you and says, you know what? This stuff is all temporary. This is not to be our focus. I mean, do you feel the tension in being challenged with that? In many ways, are we not still like the Israelites today? Why are so many bad things happening today? What about all my stuff Why did this happen? Why did that happen? What am I going to eat? Where am I going to drink? Where am I going to sleep? It is so easy. It is so easy for us to get caught up in the things of this world that we forget who Jesus is and even our own lives. And so as you're reading through the book of Mark, it's a confrontational book that kind of talks to them about fleshing these things out. And there's the lessons for us today is to help us to keep our eyes on who Jesus is and to not be caught up by the things of this world. Now don't get me wrong, these are some valid questions to ask, but this world is not our home. And Jesus Christ did not come to give us a comfortable life. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to put us in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. We know that in this world we're going to have trials and tribulations and trouble, but take heart, He's overcome those things. It's in Him that we find our peace. This world has fallen it's broken, and it's messed up, and all of this happens because of sin that has entered into the world, right? God's good and perfect plan was destroyed with sin entered into the world, and all the brokenness and everything that we're experiencing right now is happening because of sin that has entered into the world, and that's the bad news. The good news is this, that if we understand who Jesus is, if we believe that Jesus is God, if we believe that he died on the cross for our sins, if we believe that he has been resurrected, if we repent and we place our faith in him, we can begin to recover and pursue God's original design for us. And so it no wonder, when you read down through the stories of Palm Sunday, why people were confused. They were expecting somebody that was gonna to come to help them, that was gonna establish their kingdom today, and that's not what they got. In Matthew chapter eleven, John is sitting in prison. He's wondering if Jesus is going to come get him out. In verse two and three, when John heard, when 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 John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word to his disciples saying, "Hey, are, are are you are you the one that we're to look for, or we're supposed to look to, for somebody else?" And so there's some confusion. Are you got to come get me out of jail. Are you got to come. You got to come save me from this, or is there somebody else that's going to come save me from that? There's confusion about who Jesus is in Luke chapter six, or in Acts chapter 1. In, in Acts chapter 1, even after Jesus was resurrected, they, they, they had all come together. They said, Lord, is it, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And so there was this constant tension about, am I, am I still waiting, or are you going to come help me? Are you going to establish your kingdom today? There's a constant tension as you read through Scripture about the understanding of who Jesus is on behalf of the disciples and those that are watching. In Luke 17, verse 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said this, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. They will not be able to say, hey, look, here it is, or there, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you right now. Jesus has ushered in the kingdom of God. We get to experience the kingdom of God now. When we place our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us. We have a new hope and we, get to, we, get a, we have a glimpse of what the final kingdom is going to look like when he returns. But the kingdom of God is present and at hand for us now. The kingdom of God is only found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. and The kingdom of God will be fully established when he returns. In John chapter 12, um, John identifies for us you know, five types of people that we find in the crowd. Beginning in verse 16, he says, his disciples did not understand the things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered the things that had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when they called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead and continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, for the world has gone after him. Some among them went up to worship at the feast. They were Greeks, and so they came to Philip, and they wanted to know who he was. And so as you read through John chapter 12, John identifies for us, you know, five specific types of people that were in these crowds that have come together to see who Jesus was. There was clearly people that were there that were just confused, you know, you see this great mob walking out to meet this person. You know what, that mob, you know what mob mentality is? It's, it's what we really get caught up to when you're younger and, and you're easily influenced. I was easily influenced. If I saw two or three or four people going someplace, I was like, hey, what's going on over there? Oh, yeah. You know, there's people that were in the crowd that were confused. They were just there because, wow, everybody's going, I'm going to go see what that's like. I talked to people, you know, I, I was talking to somebody, uh, it was months ago about baptism, and so they've been baptized, but they want to get baptized again. I said, well, you got baptized. He said, you know what? He said, I had no clue what I was doing. I was at a youth retreat, and 10 of my friends all got baptized. They said, you want to get baptized? They said, yeah, I jumped into it, and I had no clue what I was doing. Sometimes people find themselves in church. They find themselves in groups. Sometimes people find themselves all the way, and they have no idea how they got there. They're just confused, and they, they went there because of the mob mentality. And we see that a lot today. And then we see the consumer. You know, the consumer is the person that saw Lazarus get healed. The consumer is the one that saw Jesus heal all the, the lame and the, the blind or seeing, And they show up to Jesus because they want something. You know, many people come to Jesus just because of, because of what he can do for them materially, not understanding that there's a, there's a spiritual need that we all have. And so many people come to Christ. Many people come with the crowds because of a consumer type of thinking. And then we have the legalist. You know, we have the legalists, those were the Pharisees, those are the Pharisees, and in verse 19, you know, it's talking about, what did he say, he says, uh, the Pharisees said to one another, you see, you're, you're going to gain nothing, look, the world has gone after him, and so they're jealous about all the people that are following Jesus, they're not following the Pharisees anymore, you know, they're upset with Jesus because he's not doing things the way that they're supposed to be doing, and so they come out from a legalistic perspective, you know, there's, there's absolutely no room for the Holy Spirit in there. You know, pride's in there. They were pride, prideful about who they were and how good they were and, and about everything that Jesus is, was doing in his popularity. And so you have legalists that are in the crowds, and then you have people that are seeking. Those were the ones that were curious and wanted to see who Jesus was. Among them went up to worship at the feast were the Greeks. Some came to Philip, who was from Bathsheba in Galilee, and said to him, We wish to see this Jesus. Who is this guy? We really want to know. And so there's sometimes people come into church, people enter into spiritual conversations. You know, there's 350,000 people in our 10-mile radius. And I think there's people out there that just seriously have questions about what happens in church. There are people that walk into a church building out of curiosity. And if you're here because you're curious or you're watching online because you're curious, I am so glad you are here because we want to help you be able to find those answers. we exist to reach our community for Christ. We want to to help people that that are seeking, that have questions, discover answers, and discover who Jesus really is. And so we see seekers in this crowd. And then we have the followers. The followers were in verses 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I will say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it's going to bear much fruit. So he's talking about the fact that he has to die in order for things to happen. And so the followers... Who have just discovered Jesus are now starting to un- come to understand that they are going to have to die to themselves. And they're going to have to make Jesus their Lord. We know Jesus saves us, but that Lordship issue, that submission issue, is understanding that we need to die to ourselves. We need to take ourselves out of the spotlight. We need to take ourselves out of the center. We need to put him first and foremost in his proper place in our lives. And those that are following Jesus start to understand the implications of the reality of who it is. And so we're gonna look at that as we move towards Good Friday and Easter. But Palm Sunday is answering the question, who is Jesus? And so if you're watching online or you are here with us this morning, you know, who is Jesus to you? And so as a follower, we need to encourage one another to to stir one another up to faith and good works as we await his second coming until the Lord calls us home. There's some that might be seeking, they have questions about who Jesus is, and we want to help them find answers. Who do you say that Jesus is? Palm Sunday answers that question of who Jesus is. He is king, but he's not a worldly kind of king. He's the king of the kingdom of heaven, and that's completely different than the king that they were expecting he's a different kind of king than many are expecting even today. Good Friday is going to answer the question, why did he die? And then Easter is going to answer the question, what does it mean for me? But this morning, I just want to ask you, who is Jesus to you? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? If you place your faith in Christ, are you experiencing the fullness of new life that Christ has for you? Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit working in you? Today is a day that we all get to step back and evaluate ourselves as we think about who Jesus is to us and move towards Celebrating the resurrection. If you have questions about a relationship with Christ or about you know what your next step is, or if you have any questions at all, you know we would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. So you can on the back of your uh, connection card that's in your seat, you can just put a note down there. If you're watching online, our online hosts there with you, or just text us number text next steps and and we'll we'll help you navigate through what your next steps are. We want to help people to come to explore the fullness of new life that God has for us in Christ. We're looking forward to being able to celebrate Good Friday and Easter together. I hope you can be with us, and uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day of us today. Uh, God, thank you that we can uh, celebrate this Sunday with the full knowledge uh, that you are not a military king, that you, are, uh, that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Everything submits to your authority. And so God, thank you that we can look back and we can answer that question today uh, with fullness of faith. And um, I just thank you for the opportunity we've had to gather together to encourage one another. We look forward to being able to celebrate um, your resurrection. Thank you for what you endured on the cross for me and for us. And uh, God, we just uh, uh, commit ourselves to you. We commit this ministry to you. We look forward to all that you have for us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, family, let's rise one more time together and respond and worship to the word we've received from the Lord this morning. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for coming and engaging in worship of Christ Jesus, our King. I pray now that you will go in faith to love and serve him. Have a blessed, holy week, and we will see you on Friday.